Good morning. It's August 11th. It is a bright, sunny morning in New York. How hot is it out there? Not that hot. Not that hot. And this is your Indignity Morning Podcast. I'm your host, Tom Skoka, taking a look at the day and the news with special guest host, Max Skokoho, who brought us the newspaper today after <laughs> taking out the trash, which is why he has the first-hand report on the weather. So what's in today's paper? Uh, let's see. Musk's unmatched power in the stars. Elon Musk's Starlink satellites are the, the, the internet source that has been used in war zones and that like militaries are taking advantage of. A- apparently, like part of the reason Ukraine is capable of coordinating its military is using them to get internet. And Elon Musk is able to pick and choose who he wants to support and why. He was able to, like, sh- shut it down around Crimea so that they couldn't attack there. And, like, for this reason, Taiwan is uh, now debating whether or not they want to use this because they think he, he has business ties to China. and Which he does, and which he has previously changed his policies around. So it's not an unreasonable thing for them to worry about. This is one of those stories that has a strange relationship between the website and the paper paper because they did a big splashy web presentation of this like a while ago, more than a week, where those little dots of satellites, you know, really could move around and look like a menacing swarm. Mm-hmm. But either way, I think it's good to have it in the paper. It's a striking sort of story to do because so much of what Elon Musk has been up to is vaporware and nonsense, right? And like, this is, like, real. Right. So you keep hearing these stories about the Hyperloop, which is nonsense, and he's ruining Twitter and making it unusable. But meanwhile, he's actually pumping unbelievable numbers of satellites into low Earth orbit and seizing control of satellite internet service. All right, what else have we got? Okay, the quote... I made it my goal to diversify the Supreme Court and make it more conservative, and that's what I did. I saw this before the headline. The headline is, Israeli justices poised to rule on their fate. Case so you assumed has, that yes. was the U.S. justices? Y- yes, I assumed it was the U.S. Yeah, you were away at camp, so you missed the beginning of this news cycle, which was that after delaying his effort to strip the power of the judiciary, Netanyahu just went ahead and did the same thing that brought the people out in the streets in May. So now it's officially law, and now the Supreme Court of Israel is trying to vote on whether it can be stripped of power. The death toll in the Maui firestorms appears to be up to 55. How many has the paper got? Uh, It says soared to 53 on Thursday. Okay, so they've added two more overnight, but they're expecting more than that. Mm -hmm. And... I don't know. It it just seems intuitively weird to me that you could have a wildfire in Hawaii. It's like, you think it should be more lush and water and fireproof? I'd, I'd assume it wouldn't just be, like, SoCal level dry. Well, it sounds like maybe their evacuation response was also not geared up toward Southern California-style speeding firestorms. For an extra California disaster connection, San Francisco's mayor, London Breed, is among the thousands who had were vacationing on Maui and had to evacuate. 
Last week we talked about how the Times had relayed without much inspection Mayor Eric Adams's claim that the city had run out of room for migrants. Today we have the Times circling back to that issue as they noticed that the spectacular line of miserable people outside the Roosevelt Hotel, the backdrop for Adams's complaints, has vanished, suggesting that in fact the city did have somewhere to put the people after they had gotten their news cycle about how they didn't have room. So on page A15, we have the story that Donald Trump will not pledge to support whoever is the Republican presidential nominee, which is a precondition for being allowed into the Republican presidential debate. What do you think? Is this a gesture of principle from Trump? What, what do you think? He just doesn't want to debate. He's, he knows he's going to win, and he wants to make the debate stage look like the kiddie table. It is interesting that he didn't just take the pledge and declare that he's going to win anyway, so it doesn't matter. I mean, there are there are people who have made their personas as anti-Trump Republicans lately who have said, like Chris Christie has said, he will sign the pledge, but if Trump becomes the nominee, he won't support him. He's, he's just going to ignore it. And what, what's the quote they have there? I am going to take the pledge just as seriously as Donald Trump took it in 2016. Donald Trump in 2016, back when he was famously opposed by Chris Christie, a real thing which happened. That's a that's a pungent sounding quote from Christie, but I'm a little confused by it because Donald Trump was the nominee in 2016, so he did support the nominee. Did did he not was he not going to support Ted Cruz? Did he ever say that? The whole world in which any of the other 2016 candidates were perceived as having a chance of winning is so far removed from what happened that I can't remember what happened at that stage of the process. And yet another quote says that former Governor Asa Hutchinson of Arkansas says that he's just going to assume Trump won't win and then agree to support whoever the nominee is, which sounds to me like he is just trying to find an excuse to go back to Trump this next year. Well, if Asa Hutchinson breaks his pledge, then there's no way that he's ever going to get elected president. Oh, wait. There's no way Asa Hutchinson is ever going to get elected president anyway. All right. That's the news. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe to Indignity to keep us going. And we will talk again on Monday. Thank you for joining me, Mac. Thank you for inviting me.